You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. So March is going to be our prayer and fasting season. So hopefully you're kind of thinking about what you're believing for, what you're asking God to do. You're asking big of God because our God is big. And really, it's almost like we're on the edge and about to step into everything that God's got for us. Every, the other side of all the miracles, all the prayers. Now we know how to pray and we're going to step into that. And today, really what I want us to do is I want us to come on a journey so that we start this new season um, in the right position. So that we start with the right position, the right posture, so that we can truly be at the end of March and go, wow, look what God has done. So I'm going to read an account Um, from Numbers. And really, this is where um, God has rescued the Israelites. He's taken them from slavery in Egypt with the uh, King Pharaoh, and he's rescued them. He's done many, many miracles on the way to get them to this point. And now these Israelites are just on the brink of stepping into everything that God's got, everything that he's promised them, everything that he said he's going to do. And they're on the edge about to do that. And God has said to Moses, go and send the guys in. Uh, the land I'm giving you, go and send them in to just check it out, you know, just have a little look and check it out. So Moses has sent some spies off to look and spy out the land. And we pick up the story from Numbers 13, verse 27. And this is where they bring the report back to Moses. It says this, following God's instruction, Moses had sent spies into the land of Canaan to see if they could take possession. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. The title of the message this morning is Eyes of Faith. Eyes of Faith. So at the moment, we are about to, um, hopefully, in a few weeks' time, start a house extension. Another one, for those of you that know we've done this before, um, just to say this is different this time, okay, because I don't have a newborn or a toddler or a five-year-old to kind of, you know, do a whole house extension with. No, I just have a husband, though, who thinks that he would like to contribute. So we're having clear parameters uh, because that is not his area of gifting. We've had this conversation, so hopefully all will be well. But what we've been doing is I've been trying to imagine, like, what everything will look like. You know, the architect does the drawings, and I'm like, ah, where's my table going to go? Where's this going to go? You know, I need a fire because I'm always cold. Thank you whoever's turned the heating up. I appreciate that. I feel the warmth. Um, 
So I'm trying to imagine it. Anyway, we came across this program um, on TV. I can't remember the name of it. And on this program, it's a bit like us. We're about to do house extensions. And the architects do all their drawings. But then, which is what we don't have, they give them these like magic glasses things. I'm sure there's a technical word for it, guys. But these glasses things, and they can look, and they can literally see what their house is going to look like. Like they walk around into the lounge, and it's all done up, and this is how it's going to go. And then you're going to walk into your kitchen, and you've got lighting, and an island thing, and a flashy oven. And they can literally see like everything about what their house is going to be like. And I'm like, babe, we need those glass things. We need those future glasses to look, and so we can see what it's going to be like. Um, and I was thinking about the fact that, that they're cool. These glasses are like, I need these glasses. But wouldn't it be great if we had these glasses um, for our own lives? So that we could see how everything's going to pan out, how we can see how things are going to look. So, we, you know, when we take this direction, this is what our life will look like. If we take this turn here, this is what it's going to look like. And then I realized that um, actually I think most of us do this most of the time. We are all actually really great movie makers. Like many of us spend hours, and maybe you'd even do it subconsciously, probably I reckon, usually right before you go to bed, your head hits the pillow, and you start to think and imagine about your day ahead, maybe about the conversations that you're going to have, maybe about um, the people you're going to meet or the things that you're going to face. And honestly, our movies, they have beginnings, middle, ends. We create characters that don't exist, and they have dialogue and conversations, and they have twists and turns. Honestly, we are great movie makers. And even for some of us, we even create sequels of these movies. The problem is, is that when we do these movies, I reckon that for most of us, if we're honest, our movies never have the happy ending. They never have the Disney all, you know, singing, all dancey, happy ending. We often, our movies go down the path of the worst case scenario. The bad ending, the negative report, a bit like uh, the Israelites. And we never actually go with the positive ending. I'd just like to say that, the, you know, the, uh, on the news yesterday, did anyone see the, the planes coming into land on the news? Yeah? I want to say that that was me about two weeks ago coming back from Geneva, okay? I was like watching it yesterday and I was like, babe, babe, this was literally what happened to my plane. And honestly, I'd had a great time in Geneva, been with the church in Geneva. It was all great, heading back to see the kids and, the, and Mark. And I, we were going on the plane and the pilot did say, you know, uh, just to let you know, there's a lot of turbulence. And I'm like, I'm not a fan of flying, I've got to be honest. So everything's like, you know, doing this. And I'm like, yeah, this is not good. And anyway, we come into, coming into Manchester and the turbulence has kind of gotten worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, this is, I just, just get me off this plane. Just want to get off this plane now. And we're coming into land and hit the guy, the pilot is saying, you know, this is, is brace, you know, it's quite bad turbulence. So, you know, it's going to be all good. And we come into land and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden it does that maneuver that you just don't want where it goes because it can't land because the wind is so strong. And I'm like, and I'm not joking. I do exactly this with the movie thing. I'm like, put my hood up. I'm speaking in tongues. I'm singing the name of Jesus over and over again. And before my eyes flashes everything, I'm now imagining the plane just spinning, doing loop the loops. I'm thinking we're going to get that, sh- that chute's going to come out. I'm going to have to go into the sea. And then I realize there's no water near Manchester. But my movie is like fully gone down the worst case scenario. Now, we then had to circulate 45 minutes in the turbulence to try again. But thankfully, um, the plane landed. And it's all good. I'm here. (laughs) So it's all good. 
But I want to say the Israelites, they had done that. They had looked at what they saw and they had outplayed the worst case scenario. And church, we do the same with life. We live with a mindset that says, what if it all goes wrong? What if it all goes wrong mindset? We do it with our family. What if this family situation, it never changes? What if my marriage begins to, or continues to break down? What happens with this with my kids? What happens this when it comes to my job? What happens if I never get the job that I dreamt of? What happens if I can't pay the bills? What happens if that doctor's report continues to come back in a negative light? We continue to live in a place that what if it all goes wrong? And what I want us to do today is not let that be our default. But as people of God, as children of God, our default is, what if it all goes right? What if it all goes right? You see, everybody else, they brought back the negative report, filled with fear and assumption. But Caleb chose to see with eyes of faith. We can certainly do it. See, what they saw was the same. They didn't go to separate places. They'd all gone to the same place. So Caleb, he'd seen the giants. He'd seen the obstacles. He'd seen everything. What they saw was the same, but how they saw it was different. See, though church chose to see defeat and, um, you know, all going wrong, but Caleb chose to see victory. He chose to see God showing up in the situation. And I want to challenge us this year that just like Caleb, where he silenced the people, I want us to be people that silence the fear, silence past experience, silence, you know, the things that are shouting loudly because they're in front of us, the obstacles, the challenges, the situations, and say, shush. I'm going to be a person that sees with eyes of faith, the best case scenario. And the thing is, is that imagination, it's a God-given thing. God gave us our imagination. He's, he's pretty cool. It's creative God. He gave us the imagination. It's just that we choose to use it in the wrong way. Instead of imagining the, the worst case, I want us to imagine the best case. I want you to begin to picture your family the way that you've dreamt up. I want you to begin to picture yourself getting the phone call saying, you got the job. I want you to begin to picture when you walk into that doctor's room, they give you the report and you say, come on, begin to imagine, see with eyes of faith. And I just want to pause for a moment and say that um, this message really, it holds hands with the message that we heard last week on the power of lament. I want to say this, it is possible to be in a state of lament, grief, hurting, pain, and be in a state of faith. Romans 4 verse 19, this is talking about Abraham. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's room was almost dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. You see, seeing with eyes of faith is not denying the facts, but it's believing in spite of them. And um, I just love the fact, I saw Becky and, and Ian here, and I just think these guys are a living testament of doing exactly that. Because as they walk through this season that they are in, but they're still in faith. And I just think, wow, that's incredible. We can see 
the things that see what's in front of us, the giants, the obstacles, the challenges, all the things that, you know, in the natural see really bad, but we can still have faith and see with eyes of faith. So in order for us to change our default, our positioning um, from what if it all goes wrong to what if God shows up and it all goes right, there's a few things I just want to remind us of this morning. And the first thing is this, that God is faithful to His Word. Numbers 13, uh, at the beginning, basically the beginning of this account, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan for which I am giving you which I am giving the Israelites. So he states at the beginning, I'm giving you this, guys. He's already said it. His word's gone out. Um, There's nothing more frustrating when people don't do what they say they're going to do. Or, you know, they're not true to their word. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely put the bins out. Yeah, yeah, definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely put, you know, the the chicken in the fridge into the freezer because I've been away and I said that would be really good. Come back. Oh, no, chicken's still in the fridge. Can't eat that, has to go in the bin. So it's really frustrating, isn't it, when people in your world just don't do what they say you're going to do. Or, you know, these people that's like, hey, this is free. This is free. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we all love free things. And no, it's not really free. All you've done is have maybe a little bit of free. And for the rest of your entire life, you have to pay a subscription to some things that you do didn't really even want in the first place, but you took because it was free. Or do you remember when you were growing up and you had those magazines and it's like, yeah, free toy. And you're like, great, come on, you free toy. And all you've really done is basically, again, signed your life away for the next three years of paying about eight pounds for a magazine. And every month you have to collect the actual other part to build the toy. Like the first thing was just an arm or something. It's like, ah, just, you know, it's frustrating. And I think as a generation, we've become people who are quite suspicious of everything and everyone. It's like we put everything and everyone at arm's length. We're going to take what you say with a bit of pinch of salt until we really see that you are true to who you say you are. And we put everything and everyone on trial. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it pans out. And the problem is, is that we do the same with God. God, I know your word says this, but um, is there any small print? Because basically I live, you know, the world lives on small print. God, I know you said this, but actually, is that just for this person next to me? Is it, you know, just for the people that come to church every Sunday and the prayer meeting? And we put God on trial. And I want to say, church, that God is faithful to his word. Psalm 33 verse 4, the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. 1 Thessalonians 5 24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Psalm 30 verse 5, every word of God is flawless. I think the confusion comes or the doubt comes when we forget that he is faithful to his word and not faithful to our agenda. He's not faithful to our timing or our comfort, or our happiness. He's faithful to what his word says. See, his word does not say life will be easy, but it does say his grace is sufficient. The word of God does not say that life will be without trouble, but it does say he will never leave us or forsake us. His word does not say that life will always be painless, but he does say, I will be your comforter and your peace. His word does not say life will always go to plan, but his word says that his plans will prevail, his timing is perfect, and he knows the end from the beginning. You've got to know that you can trust the word of God. He is faithful to his word. See, Caleb, he was staring at the giants, the facts, the obstacles. But 
God has said that in the beginning, you know, he, he's, they've give, I've given you this. And Caleb knew that. He knew that God was faithful to his words. And what I want us to do is what facts are staring you in the face right now? What are the prayers that you're coming into this month of prayer and fasting with? The things that you need to see happen in your family, the healing you need, the job, the provision you need. And then you've got to say, okay, God, what does the word of God say? How are you going to be faithful in this? I'm going to trust you at your word. He is faithful to his word. We can see with eyes of faith because he's faithful to his word. Second thing is this that we have to remember is that God has a good track record. In Numbers, it's actually in 14, a bit later on, um, but the Lord says to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I've performed for them? It's like God's like, how many signs do I need to give you guys? I've done all these things. I've provided. We've conquered people. We've, you know, defeated Pharaoh and the army. I've given you food from heaven. You've had manna coming down. You've had more quail than you know what to do with. God, come on. What else do you need? I've got a good track record. The thing is, when you know someone's got a good track, when you know someone's got a good track record, it makes all the difference to their word. See, when... uh, you know, my husband says, oh, I'll do that in the house. I can help these builder people. Babes, the track record is there, you know. <laughs> and it's a good, consistent track record. Got to be honest, we'll give you credit for that. And it's, you know, you're so gifted in so many ways, but DIY is not one of them. So when you say, I can do that, I can help them, I'm like, no, because the track record says that you're not, that we're going to still be here three and a half years later with the bathroom not finished. Do you know what I mean? However, when Julie might say, I'm going to cook you something, the track record would say that she is one of the best cooks in Chester, in Cheshire, and the track record would prove it time and time again. Like, honestly, her salad, oh gosh, to die for. Christmas dinner that she can do. Puddings, if Julie says she's going to cook me something, the track record is good. And it makes a difference when we know that the track record is good. I want to say God has a good track record. He can part the sea. He can stop the sun. He can feed 5,000 plus with a little boy's lunch. He can heal the blind eyes. He can make the lame walk. He can raise the dead. God has a good track record. And just in case you forget, Psalm 103 verse 5 says, Praise the Lord my soul, all my in my spinning, praise His holy name. And then it says, Forget not all His benefits, who forgives all our sins, heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When we look at his track record, church, it gives us faith for the future. We can see with eyes of faith because we say, wow, look what God has already done. Come on, think about what God's done in your life. Where would you be if God hadn't intervened? What has he rescued you from? What has he freed you from? What has he given you provision in? What has he given you healing, a hope and a future? I just look at my life and think, wow. God, your track record from the beginning of my days, the Word of God says, before I was, you were formed in a new womb, I knew you. Before I was born, He knew me. And every step of the way, even when I've walked through the darkest times, when I've been in the pit, 
When I thought, God, I don't know if I can get out of this. When it's felt dark and um, just no hope. Gosh, God, in that moment, somehow I don't even know how you did it, but you stooped down. Literally what your word said. You picked me up somehow. You put me back together, broken and hurting. You fill me with your grace, with your strength, with your love, with your affirmation. God, your track record is good. What I see in the natural right now, it may be shouting loudly. It may seem like a giant, impossible, overwhelming or consuming. But I'm not going to choose to look at that or listen to that. I'm going to say, shh, be quiet. Stop talking so loudly. I'm not going to choose to look at what could all go wrong because I've got a God who's faithful to His Word. Because I've got a God who has a good track record. And so therefore, in spite of what I see, I can look with eyes of faith and believe for a future. Last thing is this. If we're going to see with eyes of faith, then we have to remember that God has already won. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He says it. There will be obstacles, trouble, problems, pain, suffering. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome. He's already won. At the beginning of the verse, it says, the land I have given you. And you see, Caleb, he came when everyone else, the negative, the bad, the fear, the assumption, everything else was against them. He had a conviction. We can certainly do it. And I want to ask you this morning, church, what is your conviction? He's either God or He's not. He's either able or He's not. We've got to have a conviction because when the storm comes, like Jesus said, you will have trouble. When the storm comes, when you get the curveballs, the phone calls, the things that you didn't plan for, we need to have a conviction that God is faithful to His Word, that God has a good track record, but that God, you've already won. No matter what I experience in this life, you've already won. There's a hope, there's a future because of Jesus Christ, because of what He did. We have eternal hope. It's why that we can praise Him in spite of our suffering. It's why we can give Him glory when we're feeling like everything is falling apart. He has already won. He's gained the victory. We can see with eyes of faith because He has already won. And what I want us to do, church, really in this moment is I want us to begin to change the narrative of the movies that we've been playing. That we become people who are default as children of God with a loving Father. As our default is not to think and imagine everything that could go wrong, but imagine God showing up. Imagine God bringing breakthrough, healing, provision, answering the prayers, bringing the miracle that we're believing for. So we're going to do that right now. Why don't you? Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com.
We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 